Hi, welcome to Finding Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Emily from Freedom Fellowship Church. I am also a life coach. Um, Today's podcast episode is called, What Does It Mean to Be an Inclusive Christian and an Ally to the LGBTQIA Community? And today, well, actually, I should say we have been doing a series on deconstruction, but this week um, I felt that I needed to take a little break from that. And we have a guest speaker with us today. So we have Reverend uh, Vale from uh, a United Methodist uh, Reconciling Ministry in Tennessee. So welcome, Reverend Vale. I'm so glad that you are here with us today. It's a true honor and a privilege to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So can you tell us first a little about yourself, your personal life, your ministry, and then explain a little bit about what a reconciling ministry is? Well, I'm, um, I'm 65 years old. I'm a straight white female. I'm married. I have children, grandchildren and great grandchildren, dogs and a cat. Um, I live in East Tennessee, um, which most people probably know about by now. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, um, I have been in ministry. I, my call to ministry came in about 2015-ish, 2016. Um, I spent the first 57 years of my life with my ears plugged. I think God's been calling me for a long time, but I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. And one day I just listened and was moved and said hey to my pastor and said I think I I um, need to talk to you about going into the ministry and that was pretty much it (laughs) (laughs) so I have been an active um, I'm a licensed pastor in the United Methodist denomination so Mm -hmm. there's ordained ministers and there's licensed ministers Um, ordained ministers have already gone to seminary they've got their their masters of divinity they jump through a lot of hoops they are fully itinerant, meaning that you can take an ordained elder, we call them, in Tennessee and move them to California. Okay. Um, licensed pastors are a little different. We have not gone to seminary or we've not completed seminary. We actually take seminary level courses while we're in ministry. Um, we jump through a lot of hoops of our own. We go to a special um, training. Well, we go through two, actually. We go through one called the summit, which is making sure we've correctly discerned our calling. Yes. And, and if we go get through that, okay, then we're certified candidates. From there, we go to what's called licensing school, mm-hmm. um, which is intense, um, jam-packed, full of all kinds of things that we need to know. Um, and then once we um, past licensing school, then we are what's called approved, but not appointed. Mm. Um, so once we're appointed, we're appointed to a church and we licensed pastors are tethered to the church that they're appointed to. Got you. Um, so we can't, um, like I can't go out to Western Nebraska and perform a wedding for any of my relatives without permission of both the bishop here and the bishop over that area. Um, because I'm tethered to my church. Gotcha. Um, So, um, and 
I have to continue to take classes. I'm supposed to take two a year minimum because mm-hmm. I'm part-time. Gotcha. Uh, there's a lot. <clears throat> there's probably more licensed pastors in the UMC than there are ordained um, simply because churches are, you know, the church is shrinking um, to some degree. So um, ordained elders are guaranteed full-time positions. Okay. And, um, so a church like mine that's very tiny, um, struggling to keep the doors open, can't afford somebody full-time. Right, so they right. get people like me. Gotcha. I've been in active ministry since 2019. Okay. Okay. And uh, help us to understand what exactly a reconciling ministry means. Reconciling Ministries Network is an organization that um, formed... Um, not exactly sure the original starting date of it. Basically, it's people in the Methodist system that feel that we should have full inclusion um, at all levels. Mm -hmm. Um, Currently, um, and it's kind of hard to understand, um, currently we cannot ordain anyone that um, is openly LGBTQ and... uh, we can't um, perform a same-sex marriage. That's mm-hmm. really the two limits. Anything else is open, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's enough of limits that um, it makes people that are LGBTQ wonder why why would I want to be in that church if I can't do all the things. Yeah. Um, so a reconciling ministries network church, and there's there's men, there's churches, which is the congregation of a, of a church. Mm-hmm. And then there's also communities. Um, there are Sunday school classes that you can you can come in at different levels. I'm an individual member as well as pastoring a reconciling church. Mm-hmm. Um, but Reconciling Ministries Network has a statement of faith that we have to agree to to become a Reconciling Ministries Network congregation mm-hmm. or community or whatever that says we are going to be open and inclusive and um, go on you know, go above and beyond to create a space where all are welcome. Yeah. Um, and um, it's, you can look them up at rmlikemarynetwork.org. And you can actually, they if you can find the right link on their website, they have a place where you can look up and see in your area if there are any RMN churches. Okay. So, and um, I'm, I'm really proud of my folks as their pastor and because United Methodist pastors, even licensed ones are itinerant. We, we don't, the church doesn't hire us. Um, the, the Bishop and her cabinet and committees called uh, district board of ordained ministry, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they determine where pastors are appointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't feel good about, I, I asked the, the, the congregation of the church to make up their own minds on this. I connected them with someone from Reconciling Ministries Network to talk them through the process because I couldn't guarantee that I would always be there. Right. So they did it because they thought I wanted them to do it. And then I left there, you know, out in the cold. Yeah. Um, so so this is a very much a, a laity led, laity decided thing which I really love, mm-hmm. my congregation voted 100%. They voted unanimously to become a Reconciling Ministries Network church, and we have been ever since. Wow, that's so, amazing. 
Yeah, That's especially amazing. considering all this going on in the UMC right now. So, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I think we were number three in, there are two in Chattanooga, which is south of us, then mm-hmm. us. And now there's a fourth one just north of us in Oak Ridge. Um, those are the only four complete churches that okay. are reconciling. There's uh, several groups within Holston. That's my conference, but mm-hmm. only four churches at this point. But we're working on it. Right, right. So we know that within the Christian community, right, and especially in like evangelical circles, that homosexuality is what they call an abomination or a sin, right? Right. So personally, my thoughts are whether it is a sin or not, it isn't for me to judge, right? So to or to even Bible thump about it, because God judges our heart more than he judges what we're doing in someone's bedroom. And I don't think in any of my sermons, I have ever, ever called out homosexuality as a sin. I I have uh, focused on issues of the heart, you know, like anger, hate, lying, unforgiveness, having wrong motives, right? Because the Bible is very clear, you know, that God judges a person's heart and and their intentions, not their appearance or, you know, who they love, right? And then in 1 Samuel 16, 7, you know, God is talking to Samuel and he says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And in Jeremiah 17, 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test your mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So in my personal understanding of scripture and the way that that I lead my church is that God is much more concerned about God, about people's, you know, heart postures and mindsets and how they treat each other than what someone is dressed like or what is going on in the privacy of one's bedroom. Would you say that you agree with that? I agree 100% with that. And and my, my go-to is always the two greatest commandments. I mean, you know, what Jesus said, we're supposed to love one another as we've been loved. And then depending on which translation you say, you mm-hmm. read, as we've been loved, as we love as we love ourselves and I mean, how can you, how can you love with limits? I can't do that. Um, I think that, I think that, that people, and I I think that's one of the problems with Bible literalism too. Yeah. um, That assumption that, that it's black ink on white pages and, and, and what's, what it says is what it says. You know, I, how can you know the mind and heart of God when, to quote Dan McClellan, there is no singular God of the Bible, and he doesn't mean that sacrilegiously, mm-hmm. but there was different perspectives of who God was. Yeah. Clear through, especially the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And and you, how can we know his God, his, hers, their mm-hmm. mind and heart? And, and declare that we know it um, or know know their will. I, our job is to love. That's the, the, the focus that I go from. My job is to love, not to judge. Yes. Jesus said, if you haven't sinned, cast the first stone. Yeah. And, and 
you know, there wasn't a single stone cast that day. And, and, um, I'm about ready to put a waste basket at the bottom step of the church with a sign on it that says, you know, drop all your stones here before you come in. Yes. Um, amen. Um, just, you know, this is a, this is a stone free church. <laughs> amen. So, amen. Um, but, but it's, yeah, I can't. I, I mean, we know, we know now that the, the 1946 insertion of the word homosexual was an error. Yes. Um, we know now more and more that there have been transgender, homosexual people in all cultures from, from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that, that even many cultures hold them up as sacred. I mean, look at the, the indigenous two spirit. Um, and that, um, even Jesus spoke of eunuchs, which was the transgender people of the time. Yes. And, um, and the, the Jewish Torah, well, I'm not sure it's Torah. One of the Jewish texts had eight different genders. Mm-hmm. We know God's will and, and the whole Adam and Steve thing. I don't think so. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, and I, I also realize that, that some Christians uh, even go as far as to tell, you know, the, the gay community that because they are gay that they can't be a Christian and it's like, you know, they can't, they're, they're going to hell, you know, and it's like to me, they are trying to gatekeep Jesus when I'm sorry, but Jesus doesn't need or want a gatekeeper. And this, and this, you know, harmful theology and doctrine have many people inside the gay community and some allies even of the gay community thinking that they're going to hell. It does, and it's so wrongful. And and here's the thing, and I, I you know, part of me gets really angry when I read those kinds of comments or hear those, like the, the, the guy in Florida that just said related transgender folk to X-Men mutants. Mm. The, when when I see that stuff, part of me gets angry, but part of me starts to giggle because the term Christian came about in the first century, mm-hmm. and it was Rome. It was like it was like a, a, a almost like a racial slur. It was Rome putting mm-hmm. down the people that followed Christ as little Christ Christians. Yep, yep. And so, when you say somebody can't be Christian. It, I, I don't care if you're in a church or out of a church. If you are doing the things Christ taught, then you are following Christ and you are Christian. Mm-hmm. That's what Christians are. Yeah. And I'm real sorry that some people in different sects of Christianity have forgotten. <clears throat> I mean, it's like we've never read the red letters. I, I just, you know. <laughs> It's kind of why I get the giggles and get yeah. angry. It's like, please go back and read the red letters. Right, exactly. And, you know, I personally know a few people within, you know, the gay community, and they absolutely love God. They pray with their partners. They attend church together. They keep their hearts clean, even with all of the hate, the judgment, and the outcasting that they endure. And I always tell them, and I will continue to tell them, you know, you just keep loving God and forgive those who persecute you because that's exactly what it is. They endure persecution from the Christian community on the daily basis. And so I just tell them, you know, 
God said that we would endure persecution, you know, so your job is to just keep loving God, keep your heart and your hands clean and keep letting God love you because he does. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, we get so hung up and, and I think this goes back to, oh gosh, coming, probably coming out of the big wars, um, it was commonplace, and I, you got to remember, I'm old. Um, <laughs> so back, I mean, from the time that I was, I first, I graduated from high school in 1975. Mm-hmm. Your church affiliation was a question on every college form I ever filled out. It was a question on hospital forms. I mean, anything you had to fill out, it asks, what's your church affiliation? What's your religious affiliation? Oh, wow. I, I think that they've, they've done away with a lot of that. Um, but it was it was almost like, in some ways, expected and a status quo. Mm-hmm. I think if you weren't affiliated with the church, somebody somebody got concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing: I mean, and these, and these are the little things we forget. Number one, Jesus didn't have the Bible. Okay, it wasn't right. written yet. <laughs> they, he had the scrolls, he had the Torah and the Talmud, and then all of that, but mm-hmm. he didn't. Have the Bible we have today. Right. We probably had a lot more texts than are included in our Protestant or even our Catholic Bible. Yeah. Um, so in our Christian Bibles. And he, he also didn't have churches. Um, you know, they had the temple. They had synagogues. Mm-hmm. But, but not necessarily churches. So the first, the earliest churches that came about after his... Um, resurrection and his ascension were house churches these were just people of like mind getting together and sharing the gospel and that eventually evolved over time into what we know today as churches well now we're all hung up on the church (laughs) and and we get we we tend to affiliate the church with the building more than the people inside yeah and the thing is, we need to remember that it's the universal church. It's the larger body, and that's all human beings. That's all people. Yeah. Um, and, and to give you a good example of kind of how my congregation views that, they are, I mean, yeah, we have a, we have a sanctuary. It was built in 1885. Oh. Um, we have an education wing on the back of that. Um, we have a parsonage that was built in the 1950s. Uh, they bought this little schoolhouse that was sitting on the edge of their property, near the edge of their property, mm-hmm. back. I don't know when they bought that, but and they turned it into a fellowship hall. Mm-hmm. We have six and a half acres, part of which is a graveyard. So mm-hmm. my people are going, well, we're a tiny congregation. We don't use this. We don't use that. We don't have a lot of money. They mm-hmm. turned their education wing into a homeless mission. Oh, wow. And by the time they're done, if we're successful in what we're doing, and it takes, I have no lie, it takes financial support. Mm-hmm. It takes um, a lot of, of um, work and it takes a lot of trying to form community partnerships. But if we're successful in what they want to do, by the time we're done, they will be a mission with a sanctuary mm-hmm. rather than, um, rather than, you know, a church. Wow. They're, they're, they're expanding in that way. And I think that's what, for so many that we're called to do yeah. um, is, you know, we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. Well, you can't do that 
if you're only going to church on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Yes. You know, that's what, two hours a week? Right. We've got to be Christians the rest of the time, too. Yes. Um, so that's what my people are doing. Um, and the other thing that they do, and and I may be jumping ahead on you here. <laughs> one of the things that, that we have learned is as allies. And, mm-hmm. my, and you have to understand my entire congregation are allies. Yeah. Um, well, we have LGBTQ members, too, but, but the the, the rest of the folks in the church are allies to those mm-hmm. people and to the community. Mm-hmm. It's, we figured out that we need to be present. We need to be, we don't need to get out there and preach. We don't need to go in and try to convert. Mm-hmm. We need to just physically be present and visibly present. Whenever I go into one of the community um, events or something, I always go wearing a collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want them to know, yeah, she's clergy, but she's here with us. Yes. yes. And um, and it's it's and it was my congregation that said, hey, can we take our worship out into the community? Can we do something out in the community? So that's how we ended up doing the second Sundays at the Bird in the Book, which is our local LGBTQ club. Right. And, um, you know, and that's that's they just we have that mindset. Get out there. Go do. Go be. Um, you know, I don't, I don't grab the megaphone at protests. I'll stand there with them. Yeah. Um, but it's there. I, I'm there to show support. Mm-hmm. I'm there to show the, the other side that they have that support, but it's their voices that need to be heard, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you jumped right into where I was going to go. So that actually worked <laughs> out perfectly. It's like we're in tune here. So there are some, you know, uh, non-LGBT uh, people within the Christian community, right? And there's even some non-LGBT that's outside of Christianity that are wondering, you know, how exactly to be a good ally, how to support and love those within the gay community in the best way possible, you know, how to actually show inclusivity and love And I know, too, that, you know, there are Christian leaders and pastors, you know, that that want to be inclusive, but they have no idea how and they're scared of the backlash. So my question to you would be, what can you say first to the first uh, to those who are wanting to be the best ally possible and show inclusivity that are not leaders? Just those in regular community. Yep, they're just regular community and they just want to be the best ally possible. Well, the best ally possible, to me, the best ally you can be when you're not in the community, you're you're straight or whatever, you're you're not some kind of of community leader, religious leader, is um, to show again, to be present, to to um, sometimes I mean, it, it may reach a point where, um, just like with the, um, the, 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 we've seen videos, I know we've seen them on TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, of people running and standing in front of, um, someone of color that was about to be arrested just mm-hmm. to say, no, I'm not going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may reach a point with, with this particular allyship too, where we need to be able to be prepared to physically move in between. Yeah. And they know you're not going to hurt them. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to not take their voice, to not uh, usurp 
there's their their voice, their presence. Like I said, when I go to these protests and things, um, I rarely get very. I, I tend to stay toward one end unless uh, I and like when I went to the Tennessee theater counter protest. That was big. That was huge. Mm-hmm. There was no middle. Um, so I went and found someone in the in the line that I knew, and I stood by them. Yeah. But but eventually, even at that counter protest, I kind of moved toward the back. It was not my voice that needed to be heard. Yeah. And, um, so you you have to be willing to not be front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, and this is hard. Um, I know people don't get this, but financial support when and where you can of organizations yes um, like rainbow youth project and project trans trevor project project transition mm-hmm. uh, there's um the one that that um mercy stardust just did uh, i think i'm not sure where she put that if that was trevor project or somebody else okay. uh, but there but and another thing that we i think we need to start looking at is an organ an organized multi-state uh, fund yes. to people move in out of areas that are becoming very dangerous. Yes, I I second that wholeheartedly. So, so um, uh, beyond what you just shared, like uh-huh. the second part of my question would be: Is there anything you can think of beyond all of that that Christian leaders and pastors and churches? who want to be open and inclusive, but either don't know how or they're scared of the backlash. Do you have any advice for them other than what you've already spoke? Well, um, let's take it a level at a time. So, so within a church, we have the laity. That's the people sitting in the pews. Uh, and we kind of have middle church leadership. That might be people that are worship leaders, Sunday school teachers. They're not in pastoral level but they're but they're a little bit higher up there mm-hmm. um, you have to be willing in those situations especially and I can use my home church as an example um, I've been a member of my home church I, as a licensed pastor I maintain my membership in a church mm-hmm. uh, I don't move it every time I get appointed I, I keep it at my home church the church I kind of grew up in for the last 36 years mm-hmm. um, so in my home church, it's a it's a more mixed bag of people. There are some that greatly oppose. There are some in the middle, and there's some that really would like to see the church become like my my church that I pastor is. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those folks in the laity that really want to see their church become more um, inclusive, they have to be willing to start hard conversations with the folks in the middle and the folks over on the other side. Yes, and they have to they have to to take steps. I mean, there's plenty of tools out there these days for these conversations to take place in faith communities. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, but they have to be willing to take that step. For that middle leadership, it's kind of the same way. Although they tend to sit on committees and subcommittees of the church, so that's another opportunity. Yeah, for, for the pastors. <laughs> Uh, I asked a pastor one time about how to read scripture. Should I read it? Just read it like I'm just sitting here reading blah, 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 blah. Or should I turn it into, 
you know, almost theatrical in terms of getting it emotion in life. And they, their answer to me was, you do you and everybody else will catch up. Right. Um, I think that for pastors, and it depends, this depends a lot on denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, because some denominations, the, the actual church is hiring the pastor. Um, I think Southern Baptist is a good example of that. Right, right. Um, Okay, so United Methodist, it doesn't work that way. Um, that, that people are appointed, and I, and you know, I can't speak for the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but you walk into a church, and um, you have to figure out where they are. You kind of have to meet them where they are, and then work to move them. And the best way I can tell clergy to do that is, man, preach the social gospel. I mean, if you preach the red letters, mm-hmm. you're going to learn that we can't do what we do. Somebody put my dog back in my room. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, you can't, you can't, um, you can't preach Jesus, actual mm-hmm. Jesus, and continue to condemn people. Yeah. The only way you can do that is if you're preaching out of the Old Testament mm-hmm. or you're preaching out of what we believe is Paul, but what we've since learned is my understanding is that Paul was very inclusive, very egalitarian, and somebody came along and edited it. Wow, okay. At one point. So, you you know, preaching Paul, if you don't know what Paul really said, you, you're going to end up making people very legalistic. Yeah. And, um, and that's what we want to avoid. Jesus was not legalistic in, in no. the slightest in the book. No, so, no, not at all. So I think for clergy, for clergy, it's it's a you kind of got to gauge where the people are, and then you've got to de- you've got to, and it's personal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to decide. I'm going to risk it. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of chuckle. I say this both to my congregation, and I also say this to my district superintendent. I lay my collar on the line every time I open my mouth. Um, every time I get in the pulpit, every video I make on here, yeah. everything I post on Facebook, I walk right up to the line in the Book of Discipline, and and I will put my toe right on that line, <laughs> yeah. or the end of my or whatever you want to say, yeah, and go right up to it, mm-hmm. and um and push it, you know, I'll push yeah. it, push the envelope, uh, yeah. But yeah. so far, I've managed not to get myself in trouble. Yeah. Um, there was only one instance where I wanted to do something, and even though it wouldn't have violated the Book of Discipline, um, they asked me not to do it. You pushed and the envelope point, a little too far. <laughs> well, no, it was more, we, we were coming into a, that season when our drag ban was going to pass. Gotcha. And I wanted to invite uh, someone here to do uh, to Second Sunday mm-hmm. specifically to, um, to to who does ministry and drag. Mm-hmm. And I and rather than I knew I wasn't going to violate the book of discipline doing it, <laughs> right. but I didn't want to risk it. So I asked yeah. permission. It got nixed, not because it would have violated book of discipline. It would not have. Right, but because of the shakiness of that law, we yeah. didn't know when that was going to go into effect. Yeah, you know, and it was a very narrow window. Yeah, and also because 
and this goes above clergy. This is now getting into the cabinets of the denominations, the episcopies and things. Yeah, yeah. There was a fear that it would trigger yet more churches in our conference to disaffiliate. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So, I get that. You know, so mm-hmm. you got you got to be willing to take risks. Well, you know, Jesus risked it all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I, um, I would. I would love to say that Union Grove is a completely inclusive, affirming, welcoming church. Yeah. I can tell you that Union Grove will do everything in its power to take you where you want to be mm-hmm. in terms of ministry or anything else. Right. Regardless of who you are. And um, the one line that I have to draw, the one that I can't push, and it's because I'm licensed and not ordained. Mm-hmm is I cannot perform a same-sex marriage. Right. And the reason I can't push that one is an ordained elder, if someone would have to file a complaint, and they would get a trial. Gotcha. Okay? And, and right. that's the way a kind of a jury of their peers would decide. Yeah. A licensed minister, they would simply replace me, and I would never get appointed again. Gotcha. Okay. So um, that's my one line. Yeah. That's Okay. We're running short on time. This app doesn't give me very long for a podcast. So I have one final question for you. What do you have to say to the gay community straight from your heart? And we can only take maybe three or four minutes. But what do you have to say just to the gay community from your heart? From my heart? Yeah. Whatever someone in some church has told you about you being unloved and unworthy and an abomination, will you please wad that up in a little ball and throw it in the trash can where it belongs because you are beloved by God. You are accepted by God. God knows you in your authentic self, not the self that that society or whoever wants you to be, but in who you are inside because that's where God knows you is on the inside. Yes. And that you are, are... Love beyond measure. You are priceless. You are worthy. And to, to, for those of you that have experienced true church hurt, religious trauma, God, please accept my sincerest apology. Yes. For that, I am so sorry that has happened to you. And I hope that regardless of whether you ever step foot in the church again, that you will make peace with God because God loves you. Yes. And Christ loves you, and the Spirit is with you, even if you don't see them, know them, or acknowledge them, they're still there, and they're still standing with you, not with the haters. Yes. yes. And I love you, all of you. Yes, yes, and I love you all, too. I thank you so much, Reverend Vale, for, for being with us today. It really was an honor, and it's it's an honor to know you and, and to have this, this friendship with you. And so... In closing, um, I usually, uh, you know, tell everybody my seed information and whatnot. But, you know, without even knowing um, that you were doing that homeless part in your ministry, God had already told me to ask everyone that would feel led to plant a seed after listening to this to put it to your ministry. So... For everybody that might feel led after listening to this podcast, 
I would like all seeds and offerings to go straight to Reverend Vale's Reconciling Ministry in Tennessee. So that being said, and Reverend Vale, if I have this wrong, please correct me. But for all uh, personal checks, you would send them to Union Grove United Methodist Church, a reconciling ministry at 1151 Lane Drive in Friendsville, Tennessee, zip code 37737. Or you can give through the Tithely app at for Union Grove Friendsville. Is that all correct? I think so. In the if they're on TikTok or they're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, um, I believe I put my link tree on all four sites. Okay. And there is a link in the um in the link tree to make a donation to Union Grove. Okay. And there are there are multiple funds. If they wanted to if they want to give directly to the mission, then they need to choose the Bruno Fund. That's our our we call our projects the Bruno Projects. Okay. Great. So everybody, if you feel led by the Lord after listening to this, please plant all your seeds and your offerings into Reverend Vale's ministry. Reverend Vale, we got about three minutes before the app is going to shut this off. Would you mind closing us out in prayer? I wouldn't mind it all. Perfect. They who created us and is and was and ever shall be, they who came to walk with us in the flesh, and they who abides with us now in spirit, please hear our prayer. We ask that you bless those that are hearing. We ask that you bless Emily's ministry here and her her goal and her ministry as a life coach. We ask that you bless those who have been pushed and shoved out of your church and that you be with them and let them know how much they're loved. We ask those of you that you bless those of us who are staying with you and with the church and who are walking strong and tall in our faith. We ask that you strip from us any bad beliefs, any wrongful beliefs, any harmful beliefs. And that you make us one with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you again for being here. And everybody, I will be back uh, next Friday, just like I am every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will probably jump back into our deconstruction series. And we will be back next week.